Dr. Schiller, thank you so much for taking the time today to share your thoughts and insights on this very important topic. My pleasure to be here. And now 2014 has been a very busy year for you, starting with the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, being one of three chosen for the 2013 Nobel Prize in Economics, making multiple appearances in the press and media, not to mention your full-time duties as a professor at Yale, uh, your book, Irrational Exuberance, the third edition is coming out in February. Have you had time, uh, the opportunity to take it all in? Uh, have you been talking to my wife, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> She's been complaining. We also have a new grandchild this year, so uh, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, you're right, I'm pressed for time, and I'm the worst of the four grandparents <laughs> in terms of attention to the new baby. But I'm trying. Well, congratulations. Uh, and what, de- what developments over the past year or so have surprised you the most? Well, overall, Russia, I suppose. But also, uh, you didn't mean to ask about that. The stock market has gone up a lot. The housing market has gone up a lot. And interest rates have not gone up. In fact, uh, if you look, for example at the home mortgage rate that was just uh, announced by Freddie Mac last week. Uh, It's almost at record lows. It's been going down. So it's a very unusual uh, market driven by low interest rates. Uh, It's a time when investors think, there's just nothing out there for me. Everything looks expensive or it's (laughs) yielding very little. That is... It has been a surprise for some time, but continues to be so in 2014. My listeners really represent typical Americans approaching or living in retirement. And the concerns I hear most from them are how they're experiencing the ups and downs in the stock market uh, in this very low interest rate environment and the general lack of confidence about traditional retirement solutions, especially considering that a lot of people are looking at 30 years or more in retirement. Broadly, How do you view the current conditions in the market? Well, as I was saying, they're very unusual. Uh, Everything is overpriced. Oh, it can't be everything. That's one of our points. It's not everything. But the major asset classes all look overpriced right now. Uh, And that's, that's of course, depressing for people who are looking for 30 years of retirement, especially if they haven't saved a whole lot. Uh, and that seems to include a lot of people. You know, that is very interesting. And it sounds like no matter how we slice it, a healthy serving of uncertainty may be the only certainty. Um, if, you know, if you can understand where I'm going with that. And when you look at uncertain markets, you naturally look for the best values. You, you know, you look for the best values you can, you can find given your market tolerance. That notion of finding value seems to be at the heart of your CAPE methodology. Can you give our listeners a sample explanation of CAPE and how that relates to the value of a stock, the market, or generality, or a sector of the market? Well, CAPE stands for Cyclically Adjusted Price Earnings. It's a very simple concept that my former student, John Campbell, and I developed 25 years ago, that instead of dividing the current share price by the recent 12-month earnings or projected 12-month earnings, you divide by a long average of real stock price divided by a 10-year average of real earnings. The idea is that earnings year to year are just noisy. 
and you can be misled by a conventional price earnings ratio. You, you really the whole idea of looking at a price earnings ratio is what is price relative to fundamental value. And I think we thought that you just need a better, longer average. Turns out, after we published our results, it came out that uh, Benjamin Graham and David Dodd had published the same idea, or essentially the same idea, in 1934. And then we found that the Wall Street Journal mentioned the idea in 1911. But people... They hear it and it goes in one ear and comes out the other. They they don't. It's hard to think like a real value investor. You know, I think the theory is absolutely amazing, and you've been helping to put that theory into practice, working with Barclays and developing the new Cape Schiller family of indices. After Barclays became aware of your work and pursued a partnership to become, um, to convert your uh, academic research into an investable index. Now I've been working on this because I knew we'd be talking. Now, let me tell you what I think, and you can tell me where I get it right and maybe expand what you think is most important. Go ahead. Now, the index uses the CAPE ratio, which we just talked about, to identify the five most undervalued sectors of the S&P 500, technology or manufacturing or, ag- or ag- agriculture. Those five sectors are weighed based on the size and then run through a price-momentum filter, and the best four valued sectors with the most momentum are then equally weighted and rebalanced monthly, subject to a volatility target of 10%. How'd I do? That's that's right. Well, we have both a volatility-protected version and one without that. But they all share this thing about five sectors. The the lowest-priced sectors measured by CAPE are selected. And of those five, we take the five with the best annual momentum, uh, reflecting another... uh, literature that has shown that there is a, a little bit of momentum in the stock market. And we want to avoid the value trap. If you pick very low-priced sectors, you might pick fall into a sector that has been collapsing and might continue to do so. And Dr. Schiller, can you explain the differences of the sectors? Well, the sectors that we use were essentially those devised by Morgan Stanley and Standard & Poor years ago to represent the the important, fundamentally different uh, industries that are represented by the stock market. So you have industrials and utilities and healthcare, etc. Uh, each of these has its own index and its own earnings statement, so we can compute CAPE for each one of these. So our product then takes the 10 sectors, uh, including a real estate sector, and looks at the, uh, the sectors that have the lowest CAPE. So we take the five lowest CAPE sectors, and then of those, we pick the four sectors that have the highest momentum over the last year. That's to avoid a uh, uh, what's called the value trap. We, we could accidentally pick a sector that had been collapsing because of some horrible news <laughs> affecting that sector. And that would tend to be compromised by a downward momentum. So we get rid of that. But basically, it's a value product. We're just looking, you know, the stock market... Sometimes it gets pricey, but not all sectors get pricey. We'll just stay in the ones that look less pricey. And can you explain the price-momentum filter, how that works and what that is? Well, the momentum filter reflects uh, research. That's been a lot of research in the last 20 years uh, from various parties. We, we, we have found that the stock market, you know, th- there was this old story that the stock market is a random walk. 
that uh, it's like a drunk who is so drunk that every step is independent of the preceding step. <laughs> and that has been found to be approximately true for the stock market. But it's not actually completely true. It, it does a little bit uh, tend to go in the same direction. And we found that if we look at low cape sectors that are dropping fast, they're not, a be- they're not such a good bet. This is an important component of our procedure. They might continue to drop. So we'll wait a while until they s- <laughs> they're not <laughs> dropping so fast <laughs> before we get into them. And if you could explain uh, the volatility control, help people understand exactly what that is. Well, the importance of volatility control is that stock markets are subject to collapse. We saw amazing uh, examples of that, like on October 19, 1987, the S&P fell over 20% in one day. But I have to say that wasn't without warning, because if you look at the times leading up to that October 19th, that was the biggest one day drop ever. There was a lot of volatility preceding it. It's a little different from earthquakes. Earthquakes come bang, and then there's an aftershock. Well, these volatility drops, they have pre-shocks. So it makes sense to reduce your exposure to the market in those times. That's what the volatility control does. And this subset of the S&P 500 may outperform the broader market as a whole. Well, it would especially outperform in down times. Uh, If you look overall, uh, over both up and down times, the volatility controlled index doesn't perform as well as one that doesn't. Not surprising, it's taking less risks. It's a more conservative product. So you don't expect it to do as well on average. But what it does do is cushion you from big drops. And our volatility index did show a lot less of the drops between 2007 and 2009. In fact, it hardly went down much at all over that interval. That's, if you remember, that was the big event uh, in recent memory. And most people are trying to forget it. Right. We won't forget it. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's burned into our minds and our souls. And okay, now before I take us out any further into the weeds, I think our listeners will be interested in another area of your expertise, Dr. Schiller. Um, I call it behavioral finance. Can you explain what that is and how it has an impact on millions of clients approaching retirement? Yes, well, I would say behavioral, fi- well, behavioral finance is really the application of, finance, of, of psychology to finance. That recognizing that people are human and they don't, do all the right things all the time. Behavioral finance first appeared 20 or 30 years ago. It's been a while. In reaction to another uh, revolution in finance, the so-called efficient markets revolution. Efficient markets said markets are perfect. The, 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 all of the smart people in the world are trading in them, and so the markets are even smarter than any individual. Don't bother to try to beat the market. That was the we found, though, that there's lots of evidence that it's not quite true. I've been doing, uh, conducting workshops, academic workshops on behavioral finance since 1991. Uh, and we've had, we've had so many papers. There's so many little problems. And what CAPE is a major one among them, that we find that markets are not random. They're, they're somewhat forecastable. This isn't even controversial anymore. Uh, there are 
most, if you ask experts in finance, they'll acknowledge generally that their mar- stock prices are not a perfect random walk. Maybe approximately, but not perfectly so. And so there's room for investors to take advantage of what we know about the predictability of the market. And a lot of people don't. It's surprising. Very smart people don't. They're still, you know, they haven't been reading what's been going on in the last 20 or 30 years. They're still remembering, oh, yeah, there was this book that Burton Malkiel wrote called The Random Walk Down Wall Street, which said, just don't bother, just diversify. But actually, if, even if you go to his book in recent editions, he acknowledges some problems with random walk. So I think it, it's something that we pretty much know that markets are not perfect, and you have to kind of watch out for yourself, not just invest in a diversified portfolio, but take action against getting into overpriced or bubbly stocks and, and being careful in what you do. Sounds like right now would be a great time to talk more about your book, Irrational Exuberance. I'm always happy. <laughs> and that the third edition is coming out in February. Yeah. And that people need to read this and it can help give them some guidance. Yeah, well, I'm trying to talk about the basic psychology that drives the market. The term irrational exuberance was coined by Alan Greenspan. Uh, and I think it was a little difficult for him to utter those words because he was an efficient markets uh, guru. But as things were going in the 1990s when he said that, the market was just soaring, the stock market. And more and more people were wondering, what, what's driving it? So he said irrational exuberance in one of his dinner talks. And the markets crashed on hearing the word. So people say, why would him just uttering those words cause the markets to crash? It can't be all that smart money is defining everything. So that's, that was the theme of my book. It's really trying to explain how markets work uh, more than giving direct investment advice. And Dr. Schiller, your book, Irrational Exuberance, the third edition is coming out in February. And now moving over, uh, you know, given the reality of everything that's going on, you know, it's worth mentioning that your Cape Schiller index has been put inside a fixed indexed annuity, which helps address a couple of the behavioral challenges, uh, you know, namely principal protection and guarantee of lifetime income. Right. How did that opportunity come about? And what's your impression on using this annuity as one potential solutions for investors making retirement planning? Uh, you know, the choices that they're uh, trying to make right now in the face of this market uncertainty and volatility. A lot of people are having trouble planning for many years of retirement. You know, medical care is improving. We don't even know how long you're, you can expect to live. It might be 30 years easily in retirement. That's a lifetime in a sense. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even if you have a million dollars saved up, divide that by 30 and it's not a rich, in- if you're just going to live off cash, it's, it's not the richest life. It sounds great, a million dollars. So we have to invest carefully. Uh, one thing you have to worry about is uh, outliving your income. Uh, you might even live to, you might live 40 years in retirement <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> and then maybe you won't have anything for the last 10 years. Think about that. So uh, uh, annuities are an important insurance product that uh, helps you protect your uh, retirement years. Now, the other side of it is that many times people thinking about those years get very conservative and worried because they see how the stock market can drop. So I, but I think that a, a well-designed product can help bring them into the annuities market. 
uh, and uh, give them some of the upside of the stock market. And that's what we're trying to do here. Now, given this reality, your Cape Schiller Index helps drive the Athene Balance Choice annuity powered by Nexus. It seems like when you put this index inside a fixed index annuity, you address a couple of those behavior challenges which we just talked about. Um, do you have anything more that you can add that can help the, the listeners understand the importance um, of this particular product? Well, I'm not directly involved with this product, but I can say that indexed annuities uh, or fixed annuities have an important role in environment planning. And I'm worried that people are not taking advantage of them enough. Moreover, some investment in the stock market, even though it's risky, seems to me a part uh, of a, a smart uh, investment portfolio for retirees. So uh, I, I'm thinking there are many different ways to approach retirement investing, but I'm looking for ways that are packaged and designed for people that are maybe not uh, whiz kids on Wall Street, uh, that is reasonably conservative and uh, gives you assurance that there won't be a disaster. This seems like such a product. Dr. Schiller, thank you so much for taking the time today to share your insights and thoughts on this very important topic. My pleasure. We wish you all the best and congratulations on being a grad daddy. <laughs> okay, that's the most important thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs>